We are going to finish a series today on the subject of discernment, of discernment. And you can watch these uh, messages again online. Everything is recorded on uh, Facebook, YouTube, and our website. And, and we're on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I discovered Apple Podcasts has every single message all the way back to the launch of this church. Goodness. So eight years, it's got every single message that we managed to post is on Apple Podcasts. So kind of interesting. You can hear how bad the quality is eight years ago and how it kind of improves a little bit over eight years. All right. So uh, today we're talking about the subject of truth and lie. Truth and lie. We covered God's will. We covered good and evil, which is related to truth and lie in some ways. We covered last week natural and spiritual, and today good, uh, sorry, truth and lie. So remember that we all use these questions when we discern. And you learn this in grade school. You learn who, what, where, when, why, how. These are discernment questions, and we ask these questions all the time. Sometimes the answers are really easy. Sometimes we, we can get them fast and we, we can make a quick decision and we can discern something, we can see something, we can focus something, we can sort of cut through the, the, the fluff of it and we can figure it out quickly and we can discern it. Sometimes it's not so easy to do. Sometimes we have to figure out what are, what, we're asking these questions to what sphere of life. Remember last week, we talked about how for the Christian, we acknowledge the natural world and that sphere of life, but we also acknowledge the spiritual world. So in the Christian mind, there's two. There's not just one. And sometimes you've got to ask the questions to the right sort of sphere of life to try and figure something out and discern something. Uh, and so we talked a little bit uh, about that. And remember, this is really a science. This is what science is. You ask, you ask, you ask questions. Why is this doing this? Why is this? Where is this? When is this? How is this? That's really what science is. Um, and I don't know why I'm continuing to ride this horse there, but maybe there's some people in the, in the congregation, and this is where you're at right now, and could be that. I've had that happen sometimes. But if you're a Christian, you've got to not be afraid of that. Stop it. If you don't like asking questions about your faith and you don't like asking questions to God, you need to stop that. You need to ask him questions. If you are afraid to ask God questions and you are afraid to uh, uh, question things that you read in the Bible and ask good, honest questions. Folks, that's not a healthy relationship with God. You need to ask him those questions. Sometimes you're not going to get answers right away. You're not going to, you're going to struggle and all that. But goodness, folks, the scripture is loaded with examples of people asking questions to God. Sometimes they don't get an answer. Sometimes they do. But don't be afraid to ask those questions. And as I've said before, God asks a lot of questions too. 
to us. So sometimes the right question will, will change your, your life there. So this is a science, okay? So we discern all the time. And today I want to address the subject of truth and lie. It's very interesting, this subject. It is a broad, broad subject. When you look at, uh, at this theme and you sort of watch it through the Bible and you kind of zoom out and look at the Bible as a whole and survey this theme of truth and lies, you will find a ton of information. I mean, on the subject of lies, you've got lies from the Garden of Eden to the book of Revelation. Do you realize that? I mean, truth and lie is a strong theme right from the beginning of the scripture right to the end. You know, Revelation 12, I think it is, the, the, it talks about the deceiver, the old serpent who deceives the whole world as lies. You see in the book of Genesis, right at the beginning, it's a debate who's telling the truth, who's lying. Remember, we talked about this in the good and evil message that it's, it's quite tricky there. Here you have the, ser the serpent and he says, no, Eve. No, Adam, you will not die. God is a liar. I'm telling you the truth. You will not die. Just watch and see. You will not die. What's going to happen is you're going to become like him, knowing good and evil. And he is lying to you with this death thing. I'm telling you the truth, and God is a liar. And this was a brilliant tactic because the truth is they did become like God, knowing good and evil. God says this to them, but they also did die, not immediately, slowly. And they brought into humanity and into creation all kinds of problems as a result of their sin. And so it's very tricky. We see this right from the beginning, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. You can watch it. You can see even the first couple, you know, after they eat the, the forbidden fruit, whatever it was, there they are hiding from God. This involves deception. You think you're going to fool God? You think you're going to hide from God? Well, we'll try. You know, Cain kills Abel, and God says, where's your brother? And he says, whoa, how should I know? Am I my brother's keeper? It's deception. It's lying. So right away you see it. Amazing. And you can follow it all the way through the Bible in a, in a way. It's, it, humanity seems to have an enormous capacity to lie. Enormous. Uh, and when we talk about truth and lie, uh, I want to address this the way that the scripture seems more concerned to address it, and that is that it's an intentional deception, okay? There's a difference between something being objectively true and something being objectively not true, but there's no intentional deception afoot, okay? Let me give you an example. Um, it's winter, right? It's winter. 
This is, uh, this is objectively true. It's winter. And you all know that it's winter because you all have dressed appropriately for winter. You have extra coats and you have extra boots and you have extra hats and gloves and scarves and all of these things because it is winter. Well, do you know why it's winter? Any of you know why? Let's discern. Because it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's winter. But why does winter happen? Yeah, you've got it right. You, you have discerned correctly. Because that pesky earth that we're on is tilted. It's tilted at 23 and a half degrees. It doesn't spin like this around itself. It spins like this. And, and it also, it, it goes around the sun. So it takes a day for it to spin around itself, but it takes a year for it to go around the sun, to orbit it. We can observe it with the highest precision. And the problem with this, with this globe that we're on is it's tilted. And so if you live up in the northern hemisphere, as we call it, there's going to come a time where you're facing, you still face the sun, but not the same way because your angle is away for a season, you see. And all it takes is 23.5 degrees and poof, you have winter. Now, you may, be, you may doubt all of these things and you may say, I don't believe this and all of that, but you still got your coat on. <laughs> so this is an objectively true thing. There's no intentional deception here. It's a, you know, I'm standing on, on this platform and I'm going down into the, into the center of this massive earth at a rate of 9.8 meters per second squared. And so are you. And you can deny it all you want, but all you have to do is jump and you'll see you'll come right back down. <laughs> and whether it's a car that I dropped from here or whether it's an apple, I'm going to drop them and they're going to fall at exactly the same rate. Go figure. This is objectively true. You can say it's not true, but it's not intentional deception. When we talk about lies, we're talking about intentional deception. Let me give you an example. I brought a little, a little friend with me today because I miss, I miss baseball in the winter, okay? And I told you about a... This is a baseball movie, by the way. Uh, but even if you detest sports, you'll still like the movie, all right? But let me tell you about intentional deception. And this is why I like, I like this sport in particular, because that's what it involves, intentional deception. And you can take that camera and zoom in on this ball if you want, Mr. Cameraman, okay? So this is a real ball. I got this from a real Expos game. I think I fought a little 10-year-old child to get the ball, but anyway confessing my sin before you. So this is, this is a real ball. And the game of baseball is about intentional deception. Those of you who watch it, you, you say, gosh, this is like the most boring sport. These people sit there for three hours. They do nothing. They run once in a while, and they get paid these tens of millions of dollars. This is such a waste of my time. Aha, you don't know about the intentional deception. And it's all about... What is that pitcher going to throw me? If you're the hitter and you know that you will fail 70 times out of 100, you will fail. 
If you can succeed 30 times out of 100, you're a superstar. You will be in the Hall of Fame if you play for 20 years and you succeed 30% of the time. But you have to be able to strategize what is that guy going to throw me who's 60 feet 6 inches away? It, that's what it's about, the strategy. So I could take this, this piece of wound up cork and I could throw it straight. And if I throw it straight and he knows it's coming in straight, he's going to hit the ball over the fence most of the time. That's how good they are. Ah, but if I can deceive the hitter, if I can spin the ball like this, the ball will literally look like it's going to hit him in the back and then it will spin and it will go over the plate and he'll look like a fool because I've deceived him and he has to read my mind what am I going to throw him where am I going to throw it and it's a game it's a cat and mouse game of deception it's intentional so when we talk about lies we're talking about intentional deception and this the scripture seems to be very concerned with when we talk about truth and we look into the scripture we see that truth is revealed by God. It's his, uh, he, he's the one who establishes it. He's the one who reveals it. He is the source of it. So if you're going to distinguish between truth and lie, you have to have a frame of reference, right? You have to have some sort of standard of reference. Where do we get that standard? If, we, if you look into the culture, for the culture, this is um, relative. It doesn't, it, from person to person, they will say, well, this is true. And someone else will say, well, no, that is true. But both things that they're saying contradict one another. Doesn't matter. For this person, it's true. For that person, it's true. You say, but they contradict. Ah, but they each have their own understanding of truth. And this is the way that it is. And nowadays, anybody with a phone and a YouTube account can say that something's true. Or TikTok, you know. All they have to do is create some video and cut and paste and use some Photoshop techniques. And they say, look, it's true. What's true? Well, whatever I say, it's true. Look at my video. I've just created truth, right? So there's a, it's very relative, relative. Well, not in, not in God's view. In God's view, he is the one who establishes truth. He creates truth. He's the source of truth. He's the standard of truth. And by definition, then, if it doesn't line up with what he reveals, it, by definition, is not true. And you can see this in the natural world. You can, with great precision, observe this in the natural world. Uh, the, even the atheists will say the most convincing argument uh, for theism, and I've heard some of the leading atheists say it, is what's called the fine-tuning argument. And the fine-tuning argument is that there are multiple constants in the, in the cosmos that we can observe. And it is as if someone has toyed with them and made them in such a way 
to sustain life. And if you tweak one of those constants just a touch, you won't have life at all. You'll have nothing. You'll have, a, uh, you'll have desolation. You'll have death. You won't be able to sustain life. And all of these constants have been, in the words of one person, famous quote, he says, it's as if someone has monkeyed with the physics in order to produce a universe that can sustain life that reproduces itself. Proteins, amino acids, all these things, biological life. And if you change one of those little things, poof, you got nothing. And even the atheists will say, that is probably the most convincing argument, even though they, they have rebuttals for it. They look at that, and this is in the natural world. Same thing is true when you talk about moral truth, when you talk about spiritual truth. It is God who ultimately establishes these things according to the scripture. And even further, truth is not simply uh, or, or not only a set of ideas uh, or something you can measure, it's also encompassed in the person of Jesus. So Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. This is uh, quite a statement, okay? This is an, a, a, either a very, very arrogant person speaking, or he's telling the truth. He claims to be the truth. doesn't say, I am one of many truths. I am one of many ways. I am one of many lives. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. If you're not convinced of this, he even goes further, and he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. This is a highly exclusive statement that he is making. This is a very grandiose statement, but this is what he's claiming. There is the truth and I am it. There is the life and I am it. There is the way and I am it. And you cannot get to God except through me. Wow, what a statement. So truth is encompassed in the person of Jesus. Okay, then. So how do we know and how do we discern the difference? Especially when anybody with a camera and a YouTube account can create truth in five minutes. You literally could take your camera right now and make some video, and who knows? It may go viral, and everybody may believe your, may believe your stuff. Maybe you will, too. But is it really true? So I want to just give you three areas that, again, the scripture seems to be concerned with when it talks about truth versus lie, all right? And you can go much deeper with this. This is a, a subject that's worthy of many messages and books have been written on this, okay? So I'm just going to give you a very simple overview that I see... Uh, multiple warnings in these areas, okay? Number one, um, there's warnings that we see, especially from, the, uh, from the, the lips of Jesus, about false prophets, teachers, Christs. I'll lump them all together. So a uh, classic verse out of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, 
Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. This is where we get the expression, the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? And what does he say? By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. Makes sense. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize, you will discern them. And you see Jesus warn about this multiple times, all the way up to, to the 24th chapter of Matthew uh, and the latter chapter of uh, chapters of Luke and Mark. You can see it where he's concerned that people are going to by the lies of these false prophets, false teachers, false Christs. You see Paul warn about this in his epistles. You see Peter warn about this. You see John warn about this. They talk even about people from the inside of the community of faith who are tricksters and who are liars and who are deceivers and who are going to manipulate you and who are going to take your money, take your life, take your soul. I mean, there is really strong warnings about this. And Jesus gives the ultimate way to discern. And he says, you've got to watch the fruit of these people. Watch the fruit. So yes, you watch the message. What are they saying? Does what they say line up with what God says? Does it line up or is it, is it strange? Is it off? Is it bizarre? Is it not substantiated by anything that I can see in the, the, the book of Scripture? I, I don't see it. So you watch the message, yes, but also you should watch the fruit. Because sometimes the message is going to sound kosher. It's going to sound fine. There's nothing weird about it. Nothing strange about it. But watch the fruit. Observe the person over time. If they cannot pass the character test, the things that they say, the things that they write may be just wonderful. But if they cannot pass the character test, then you're dealing with a deceiver. And there have been some very sad stories of this uh, in the last few years. I'm thinking of one individual, I won't mention his name, but goodness, the man had a sensational ability to teach, to lecture, to debate. One of the absolute best communicators I have ever ever heard in my life, this individual. And uh, he, he eventually uh, died. I think it was cancer that took his life. And after he was gone, a mass investigation ensued 
about his personal life and they discovered an absolutely depraved uh, individual, absolutely depraved who concealed this and who deceived people for years and years and years. And after he was gone in the grave, all of this came to light. All of this was investigated and came to light. And the entire ministry crumbled to smithereens. People will not even quote his, his books or his messages, which are absolutely brilliant. This man lectured and debated in the top universities worldwide and yet was a deceiver. It's one of the most shocking examples I can possibly think of, but it's real. And Jesus said, you've got to watch out. You've got to watch the message, and you've got to watch the fruit. And you will see eventually what is what in terms of discerning what is true and what is false. Be very, very careful. Uh, number two, well, no, while we're on number one, let me go back. When people, when people say this, and this is going to come this year, uh, why is it that, that the, <laughs> the, the gift of prophecy gets uh, talked about and uh, becomes a center of attention whenever there's a United States election? I have no idea as if God only cares about the United States and not the rest of the globe that he created. In any case, when people start saying, it's a message from God, I've got a message from God, thus saith the Lord, God told me this, God told me that. Let me tell you folks, be very careful of this. Be very watchful of this. A person who is giving a message from God does not need to qualify that it's from God. If it's from God, people are going to know. People are going to say, now that there doesn't sound like it's just coming from someone's presumptuous ideas. That there has some teeth to it. You don't have to qualify when people throw God into the mix all the time. God told me this, and God told me this, and I've got a message here, and I've got a message from the Lord here, and the new jargon seems to be, Holy Spirit told me. Holy Spirit told me this, and Holy Spirit told me that. Folks, sometimes I think it is a spirit, but it isn't holy, where they're getting their information. Be very careful when people start throwing God into their own ideas. If they're wrong, it's deception, folks. It's deception. It, a person should not need to qualify it over and over and over again. You've got something that you think is from God, you say what it is. If it's from God, let the people decide. Let the people discern. This is more in line with the New Testament. So be careful of this. Number two, watch out. And this again seems to be a warning in the scripture for false thoughts, false ideas up in your head the deception that takes place that is up here. It's, it's, it's kind of invisible. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, Paul says this, I am afraid, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, 
your minds, they may somehow be led astray from your sincere and your pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and they've got a different Jesus than the Jesus we preached, or you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you've put up with it easily enough. It's in your head. You've got stuff in your head. You've got ideas in your head, and they're false. And watch out that you don't get deceived the way that Eve was deceived. And remember, that's a brilliant deception that was brought before her. The serpent goes to her and says, God is a liar. I'm telling you the truth. God is a liar. And he looked like he was right for, for a little bit there. That's pretty slick, folks. You know, um, let, me, let me put it into, into a modern example. You know, any of you, you watch, uh, you watch the Lord of the Rings with the, 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 the guy with the ring, the little monster there, Gollum. Uh, what's his name? Gollum and... What's his name? The alter ego there. None of you watch Lord of the Rings. It's a bad... Smeagol. Smeagol and his alter ego, Gollum. You ever seen this? And you know the story, Lord of the Rings. He's got to take that ring, right? Bilbo Baggins is going to take that ring and he's got to throw it into the fire of Mordor to save the world, right? But you got this little creature. Smeagol, Gollum is his sort of alter ego. And he wants this ring for himself. What does he call it? My precious. Yeah, he calls it my precious. And you, you see toward the end of the story that as Bilbo Baggins is making his way up to Mount Doom at Mordor with his trusted friend Samwise Gamgee and, he's, and, and uh, Smeagol Gollum says to Bilbo, he says, he's going to deceive you. He's going to take the ring. Watch. He's going to offer to take the ring from you. Just watch. And he sets the whole thing up, and he steals some of the bread and all of this, and he, calls, he stirs up the pot. And then, sure enough, Sam goes to Bilbo, and he says, I could take the ring. I could carry the load for you, right? I mean, it's, it's right out, of, it's right out of, the, of the Bible, this thing. So you've got to watch out, Paul is saying. You've got to watch what's going on upstairs in your head so that you're not deceived. The, the, the enemy that you have, he's a deceiver, and he will attempt to deceive you. He masquerades. He's, a, he's an a trickster, and he will masquerade in your head. So 2 Corinthians uh, 11, verse 14, the, the enemy masquerades as an angel of light. He appears to be good. He appears to be right. He looks like an angel. I love this shot of this angel over the, the city, you know. And th this is, the, the, the enemy is like that. And the word Satan, it's a, it's a title. It's not a proper name. It means enemy. The Satan is an enemy in, in Hebrew. So he masquerades in your head like an angel of light. And what does the scripture say? Well, effectively, you've got to think about what you think about. Think about that. <laughs> so 2 Corinthians 
Dan, though we live in the world, we do not wage world, war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not physical. They're not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and pretensions and thoughts that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What's he saying? Think about what you think about. Listen, not everything that pops into your head's true. Not everything that you think about and dream about is true and right and proper. Sometimes you've got to take control of your own head and say, that's no good. That's no good what I'm thinking about. I've got to stop thinking that way. That's toxic. That's not true. Maybe it's something that you have running in your head about your own self. And it's false. It's not true. It's incorrect information and it's deception is what it is and you've got to say no 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 i'm not thinking that that's that's wherever that's coming from that's not coming from god so i got to deal with that i've got to think about what i think about i can't just let it sit there and some people's minds are like the internet they got the good the bad and the ugly in there it's a giant mess it's a big confusing mess in their head and they have to learn to say, hold on a second here. I can't think this way anymore. I can't. This is not true. This is false. This is deception. And I have to change, alter the very way that I'm thinking. How can I do that? According to the writer here, you actually have the ability, the power to do that as a Christ follower. And finally, another warning in the scripture. And this is not where you... Uh, uh, become deceived and watch out for deception. It's where you're the deceiver. And there are commands that we see in the scripture that the Christ follower is supposed to watch out what they do and what they say. Because what they do and what they say can be false. And they can be deceivers themselves. And we are told to watch it. Ephesians chapter 4. Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Speaking of within the community of faith, there has to be truth. There has to be honesty. There has to be transparency and not falsehood. Let me tell you, Christians are good liars. I have seen some masterful lies from Christians, and I would have to admit to you folks that I can be a masterful liar. <laughs> I can be so tricky that I don't even know I'm being tricky. Just, just ask my wife, folks. Like my own carnal thing, if I don't watch it, folks, I can, I can lie, I can manipulate, I can do things to sort of get my way. And what am I doing? I'm being deceptive. That's what I'm doing. And a lot of marriages run on deception, you know. They run on deception and manipulation and mind games. Both the husband and the wife are playing these games. 
I don't know why I tell you this today. Maybe there's some of you and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Colossians 3, do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and image of its creator. Christian, don't be a liar. The community of faith. Imagine a church where people told the truth, where people didn't lie, where people were honest, where people were transparent with, with one another. Imagine a community like that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to have enough seats to, to house the people because that's what people are looking for. They're looking for honesty. They're looking for transparency, looking for truth in relationships, and the church is supposed to have it. Mm. <laughs> so this is, now you've got to watch your own life. You're not always the victim. Sometimes you're the perpetrator. Ay, ay, ay. So these are, you know, this is, this is probably the most, um, you know, the deepest and the most thought-provoking uh, 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 thought line of discernment in the scripture is truth and lie. It is all over the place. You could spend a year of your life looking through the scripture on this concept, and you will be shocked what you will find. It is so full of information, and you will see, and it is kind of sad, the ability of humanity to lie is 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 intense, and you see example after example after example of this in the Bible. It's real. It's telling you the truth about our condition, but thank God. Thank God for his grace, yes? Thank God for his salvation. Thank God for his patience with us. Thank God, my goodness, what a mess you and I would be without him, yes? Would you stand with me, musicians? You can come and go ahead and play. Shall we pray together as we finish up today? Father, we are so thankful, so grateful for your presence in our lives. Too often we take it for granted, and we live in this wild, crazy world today where information and messages and voices are everywhere. We turn on our phones, and they're everywhere we, we go to school, they're everywhere. We can hardly keep up with what is being said, what's true, what's the latest, what's the newest ideas, all of these things. And, and people are so angry in their expressions of what they believe is true. So I pray, Father, that uh, for 2,000 years, your, your, your word hasn't changed about what we should be about what the church should be, about what the Christ follower would be. Help us and teach us to discern. Teach the young person, oh God, who's, uh, who's in school, who's got all that information, just, just, just pounding them all day long. Teach the, 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 the adult and the, the senior and the grandparent and the single person and the married couple. Teach us, Lord, to discern between truth and lie, that we would walk through this life with Jesus front and center, with him who is the truth, 
uh, walking with us and us walking with him. We pray together to that end. And everyone said, amen. God bless you today. Remember to pick up your kids in screen 11. And if you want to come to that movie on Friday night, we have a sign-up sheet there. I will send out information uh, with the address and how to get there later in the week. God bless you, everyone. Have a great Sunday. to the one.